0: Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello,
1: world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs and we're very proud of that. I've just got off an aeroplane from Sao Paulo from we're staying at the um, wonderful Intercontinental Hotel and I welcome our Brazilian listeners to the show. It's um, I'm working with a project down there, Kisiguro, which is a new e insurance company. And uh, we got the team together at the Intercontinental over the weekend, and we had some great sessions, and I really appreciate their input. It's been fantastic. And if any of you are listening, guys, I had a great time. I really thank you for your input, and I look forward to doing it again very soon. Before I went down to Brazil the other day, I uh, gave a presentation in downtown L.A., actually not in downtown LA, it's actually in Beverly Hills, and the presentation was about how to build your brand through social media, and we had a packed house of um, financial people, and they're a great audience, and they listened intently and, and were very enthusiastic, and what was great was that after my presentation, I was speaking to a number of the guests, and uh, I met Mark Gerard, who is the treasurer of Lowry's, 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 I think, which is um, an upmarket restaurant that's known for its prime rib. They specialize in it. They're fantastic. I think they've now got about six or eight um, Lowry's across the country, including in Vegas. And Mark was telling me that they instituted a sophisticated digital program where they gather big data, just scoop up all this big data from all sorts of sources, including people's financial information. They um, subject it to a series of algorithms and they can determine the people that they can afford to eat at the restaurant. They can also, by overlaying a traffic and location platform they can determine people who live with relatively easy access to the restaurant so it's not about the distance you are from the restaurant you could be 20 miles out but if you're right next to a freeway and traffic's good then you'd be a prime target if you live four miles away in a very difficult congested area where it's hard to um, navigate the traffic then you would be less of a target it's very sophisticated and uh the other good thing is when they scoop up all this information, particularly from places like Facebook and linkedin they they know everybody 's birthdays and all their friends birthdays and relatives' birthdays and anniversaries and all that sort of information and that 's great targeting for them at the restaurant. so I applaud them so mark that was great we 're doing the similar thing, but on a much bigger scale. Um, with um, Kisoguro, and uh, we're beginning in Brazil and then going right through South America, and it's a fantastic exercise. And the initial program with Lowry's uh, generated 80,000 bucks um, revenue very quickly. So the fact that this can be used so successfully for a restaurant, and I'm not putting down restaurants, but for a restaurant, just shows you how fantastic this technology is and how powerful it is. And of course, it's just the tip of the iceberg in maximizing the uh, tools that technology gives you to market your products. And companies should be using all the various tools that are available to create brand awareness and equity and drive businesses. Some businesses think that they've joined the digital age by having a website, a phone app, and sending out some Facebook posts. That is not joining the digital age. That's just taking a legacy, doomed industry and keeping it alive for a few more weeks. That's about all it is. You're still a legacy business and you're wasting your time. You really get the most out of your new media marketing You've got to have a strategy that includes Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and QR codes and SMS and emails and Tumblr and blogs and you know you've got to have all those things as part of your, part of your strategy if you're going to really use the um, the power of new media. And I also came across last week a fantastic description. Of what disruption is. Now, we all know that you have to be disruptive today if you're going to be successful, and uh, all the old legacy businesses, they're all being disrupted. You think of what um, Amazon did to bookstores and, and libraries and what um, Apple did to music and um, <laughs> to phones, for that matter. That's disruption, and those companies make a huge amount of money very quickly and become unstoppable. And this is this is a great description of what disruption is. Disruption is not about good ideas, and it's not about thinking outside the box. Disruption is a complete shift in mindset, behavior, and the belief of what's possible. So it's not taking something that's old and established and boring and dreary and time-intensive and labor-intensive and paper-intensive and sort of tricking it up around the edges. It's about a totally new mindset. Um, next week, I'm going to talk to you. You know, here at um, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, we love young entrepreneurs, love them. And next week, I'm going to talk about Maya Penn. She, um, just to give you a bit of a tease, she's got quite a resume, an entrepreneur, CEO, philanthropist, eco-friendly fashion designer, coder, illustrator, writer, and animator, and she's now just turned fourteen. Now, when most of the kids her age were learning how to count to ten and colour within the lines, four-year-old Pen was busy learning how to take apart computers and putting them back together again. This kidpreneur went on to find found. Maya's Ideas, an eco-friendly, environmentally sustainable fashion and accessories line when she was eight. Then Forbes wrote a big article about her. She did a TED Women's Conference presentation, and IBM has now tapped this girl, wonder to um, speak at their conference. So we're going to talk about Maya next week, 14 years old. And already a whiz kid and doing well. So all the people that write to me and tell me how bloody hard it is to be an entrepreneur, stop writing. I'm not interested. There's so many of these kids that are great. And, uh, you know, no use complaining. Get out there, get off your ass and do it. My favorite story of the week. This is a classic. It's about two science startup dudes who introduced a new product idea this week. It's a supplement that will make women's vaginas smell like peaches. Yep, you heard me. Smell like peaches. Fresh peaches, I might add. The founders of the biotech startup previewed their plans for the sweet peach. I love the name, though, at the um, November the 19th demo conference. The probiotic is designed to prevent yeast infections and UTIs but will also make women's genitals smell like peaches. Now, reaction to sweet peach, which the pair hopes to crowdfund, (laughs) have been pretty negative, ranging from a waste of science to completely outrageous. And my favorite, can they please keep their peachy bullshit far, far away from my uterus? I love that. I think that's great. The entrepreneur said that the idea was inspired by their friends and girlfriends' reoccurring issues with UTIs and yeast infections. Hmm. I don't think I'll be investing my hard-earned money in it. And you could have a clash. You know, you could have um, you could have a peach-smelling vagina, and then wear those. Strawberry edible onions, and you, uh, onion, onions, undies, strawberry edi- edible onions, onion, undies. God, my mind's distracted. I'm somewhere else. I'll try that again. <laughs> you can have peach smelling vaginas clashing with strawberry flavored edible undies. And that sounds like too much for me to bear. Fruit salad, (laughs) add a bit of banana and you're cooking. In other news this week, it appears that Amazon's huge investments in streaming programming is paying off. Um, Amazon Prime Instant Video, which is the Netflix-like streaming video service that comes part of, it's part of Amazon's $99 a year um, Prime loyalty program. Well, it's continuing to grow. Its share of internet traffic that's being piped into homes between the peak hours of seven pm till eleven pm. That's more than doubled, and it's now hit two point five percent. So it's hardly um, dominating people's listening, but nevertheless, two point five percent up from one and a quarter percent just a year ago. But it, it, of course, it's nowhere close to Netflix, which continues to account for more than one third of all traffic. Going out to American and Canadian homes during peak evening hours—that's incredible. You think about it: twenty-five percent of, oh, sorry, thirty-three percent of all traffic going out to American and Canadian homes during peak evening hours is going out on Netflix. Wow. Um, Amazon growth suggests, though, that um, the company's increased spending on video and perhaps even its streaming hardware. It's beginning to bear fruit. The figures which Sandvine releases in a report twice a year, that offers a rare glimpse at how many people are watching Netflix. It's really quite amazing. And it's very hard to find out data from these companies. They don't tell you very much. Um, Amazon won't say how many prime members it has, although it's estimated between 30 and 40 million just in the U.S., and Netflix has more than 36 million paying members in the US, although the company doesn't say how many it has in Canada, but people who use Netflix use it all the time. You know, it's, it's the staple. So Amazon's been beefing up its prime benefits of late. Um, you know, prime members, they spend more money, shop more frequently, and buy more expensive items than do non-members. So Amazon's been sweetening the pot to get people to join. So this year, Amazon's added unlimited photo storage, a streaming music service, as well as discounts on Amazon hardware and added it to Prime membership. So the world of um, streaming video is crowded and about to get a hell of a lot more crowded as HBO and Showtime come into play next year. And they're, o- they're aimed at the so-called... Um, well they call them they call them cord cutters they're the growing number of people who don't pay for cable or satellite and instead get entertainment through services like Netflix Hulu and Amazon I've got to admit that makes a lot of sense because I know my cable bill uh, in Los Angeles is about two hundred and fifty bucks a month so you pay two hundred and fifty bucks a month when you get Netflix for nine bucks and you can get um, um, Amazon Prime for Ten bucks a month. So for nineteen bucks, or t- for under twenty bucks, you can get bloody near everything. And yet, if you're using cable, it's costing you two hundred and fifty bucks. Things will change, folks, and people like me will eventually get smart. So, while on the subject of Amazon, they started Black Friday sales this year earlier, as you know. Black Friday is the day between Thanksgiving and that weekend. Thanksgiving's on the Thursday. The weekend, of course, is on the Saturday. But um, Amazon's been going now already for about four or five days, a full week ahead of the traditional Black Friday. So Amazon are having a new sale every 10 minutes on everything from electronics to clothing to toys. And uh, on top of that, Amazon's having six special deals of the day. So you are getting bombarded with specials. I saw a special today. Um, It was a 60-inch television set. And I think it was $199. Woo! But you've got to get in quick because those, they don't last long. I mean, they're on sale only till they either run out or um, the time's up. So you've got to really be quick. Um, but if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get 30 minutes notice on everybody else. So you've got 30 minutes more to get in and, and buy. Now... Um, Traditionally, online retailers wait until after Black Friday to introduce sales, usually on the Monday after Thanksgiving, and that day is known as Cyber Monday. Um, But retailers such as Walmart and Kmart are offering Black Friday deals earlier and earlier at the bricks-and-mortar stores, so the online guys like Amazon and other online retailers have to make their deals much earlier to compete. And to make these sales happen, Amazon's hiring extra workers are uh, not really people. They're hiring robots. And last week, we talked about Nestle in Japan introducing 2,000 robots to uh, convenience stores to use as store clerks, and now Amazon's using robots in its warehouse to fill orders. They've also hired um, 80,000 seasonal workers to help, So, and the way the U.S. economy is roaring Anybody who's putting down the U.S. economy has got rocks in their head. The U.S. economy is doing just great. Got to admit, it's a two-speed economy. People at the top are doing great. But the people at the bottom used to be in manufacturing and don't have the skill sets. They're still finding it tough. And until they're totally retrained, they will find it tough. But the economy on the whole is going great. Consumer confidence is up. Business confidence is up, conferences up, share markets going through the roof, Companies import, the country's importing almost no oil, it's doing great. Now, the release of iPhone 6 has given Apple a slight boost but only 1%, but still 84% of all smartphones shipped I'm having trouble with getting my mouth to work tonight. I don't know why. Maybe it's the fact that I spent, um, of the last three days, I spent 34 hours on a bloody plane. But nevertheless, (laughs) God, that's a hard haul, that. But um, Android's got an 84% share of all smartphones shipped in the last quarter. So, um, And Windows Phone. Well, they're at 3%, which is pretty bloody miserable. And uh, BlackBerry, of course, is still shipping. However, they're now down somewhere well below 1%. So Android's got the game sewn up, but Apple has done well with its iPhone 6. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. Now, we're here to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. We will do everything we can to help you. So if you've got a question about any aspect of business, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at com. We'll answer it on air or we'll email you directly. Or if you've got something that's really bloody fantastic, I'll even ring you. So make sure you subscribe to my monthly newsletter, which is about to go out in about a week or 10 days. It goes out every month to 16,000 business executives in more than 60 countries. Every month. So go on to bobprichard.com, that's B O B P R I T C H A R D.com, and enroll. And you'll get my um, newsletter each month, which is supposed to be, and I think is, very informative. Um, there's been um, a few emails saying, why don't I just circulate the radio show um, as an email every week? And uh, we're considering doing that, but I'll I'll let you know how that goes. Now I'll be back in a minute with my guest Brendan King, who's the CEO of Vendasta. And uh, Brendan's main focus is to help small business businesses do three main things: monitor, manage, and build their online online reputations. You know. Um, reputation management online is more than just monitoring what customers are saying about your interviews and social media and whatever else it's about managing that information and building your digital presence to strengthen your brand and I'll be back with Brendan in just a moment
0: do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome
1: back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thanks for being with us. This is the part of the show where we talk to very successful and extraordinary people. You know, it's damned hard to be successful out there, so I've got great admiration for people who are, and people that are making a difference. There's some amazingly talented people in this world, and it's great to speak to them because they've got so much that they can teach us. My aim when I'm talking to them is to try and find out what it is that makes them tick, what makes them great. What characteristics do they have that we can learn from? Now, a company's online reputation can make or break a business. Now, I've had some experience with um, online reputation. I had a, a um, group that set out to try and besmirch me and it's, it's a, a hard thing to tackle. So just as your profit margins are critical, what people say about your company online can be of great importance to your survival you know a negative comment can get echoed around the world in seconds and it doesn't have to be accurate doesn't have to be true just has to be out there and negative reviews are often on websites that rank high in search engines and as I mentioned whether it's true or not these negative search results jeopardize your company's online reputation and I must admit I get online and look up a a company, and if it's got a few bad reviews, I'm very hesitant to do business with them. And uh, I know that's very shallow because you don't know whether it's right or not. Today's guest, Brendan King, is the CEO of Vendasta, V-N-D-A-S-T-A, and Brendan's main focus is to help small businesses to do three main things, monitor, manage, and build their online reputations. Reputation management is more than just—it's more than just monitoring what customers are saying about you in reviews or social media or any other online source. It's about managing that information and building your digital presence to strengthen your brand. So, this is a subject that's really important to all of us and uh, anybody that's in business and even socially. I mean, Bad reviews socially (laughs) could probably ruin your sex reputation for a start. So I'm really interested to hear what Brendan has to say. Hi Brendan, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Thanks Bob, great to be here. So you're up in Canada and you're not, well you're cold, but you're not quite freezing to death or buried under seven foot of snow yet?
2: Well I'm just watching a little bit of snow falling
1: out my window right now. Uh, This is early in the season, so it's still at the stage where it's pretty.
2: Yes, it's still exciting. <laughs> Just after a couple shovels, it won't be so exciting anymore. That's right. Now, you talk about how
1: small and medium-sized businesses can create a 10 times digital revenue change. What
2: does that mean? Well, I think, you know, I, you know, what, I would, you know what I would say is that uh, small businesses have always, you know, and things haven't really changed as much as people think they have just a, it's where the consumer are that's changed so you know I, I had been in business myself at, back um, in, in the retail business uh, from uh, 89 to 99 in the computer retail industry right. and you know back then uh, reputation spread rather slowly it was word of mouth and it was what you did in, this, in your store and so folks would come to see you and buy computers and the way you treated them and how you run your business really built up your reputation slowly over time Right. today reputation spreads a lot quicker. It's, it's, you know, it's like, a, it's like a viral disease. Remember that movie Outbreak? How yep. fast is you know, what's the rate of spread, how fast can it spread? Well, that's what reputation has become. You know, the whole sort of premise uh, about, your, about your brand or your reputation has changed. It, it used to be that you could control it more, you know, what you would say in, the, in your media, the way you portray yourself, the way you treat your customers. But today, um, fortunately or unfortunately, as you uh, talked about in your introduction, it's a lot about your brand really becomes what your customers say it is yeah. and you know yeah. and sometimes people have an extraordinarily loud and uh voice uh even though they you know online even uh, even though they don't they wouldn't in the in the real offline world so the way that people buy has changed you know it used to be that you know we'd spend all that money advertising in the newspaper and the yellow pages and radio and tv and the moment of truth came when people came into the, into the store and the cash register rang and you knew that the advertising was working from that. And that would, they used to call that the moment of truth on advertising. And sure. now it's changed and Google, Google's really introduced what they call the zero moment of truth. And that's people, you know, they hear your advertising, what do they do? If they, if they if if a sort of a want is instilled you know whatever it is you're advertising you're advertising a car and they gee I would like a car and they go and they search online, maybe they come directly to your location but more likely they look for you know that particular item or auto dealers yep. And and uh, two things have to happen you know one they have to find you and then they once they find you they 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 look for your, you know what what are people saying about you what's your reputation yeah and uh and so that that sort of becomes the zero moment of truth and when they come now to your establishment whether it's a restaurant or or to buy goods they've already made up their mind likely that they're going to deal with you so you know the first moment of truth the in-store experience is what happens and then when they leave the store they have what we call the second moment of truth. You know, they've, maybe they've eaten at your restaurant or, or, they're, or they're, you know, using the, the computer they bought or whatever it might be. And now they're going to talk about that online socially. You know, they're going to post it on Facebook and Twitter and Foursquare and, you know, uh, Google else, Plot. Yeah. And, they're going to, and that becomes somebody else's, That's what we call that the second moment of truth, and that becomes somebody else's first moment of truth. So really, you know, we focus in... Um, on, on a business how can they make this digital change they need to make sure that they're found online because everyone's going to phone with them today and that's where they look yep. and uh, and that when they're found that their reputation is good we call it you know the virtual uh, digital doorway or virtual doorway but really it's the new it's the new way that people find you and, and learn about you online
1: yeah I think it's one of the big differences between now and yesterday is that um, if um, you a word spread about something that you did that is negative, um, then it would peter out pretty quickly and not go very far. Today, it's up there online, and it's there forever, you know, so it doesn't go away.
2: So somebody who No, and we often say, you know, people say, should we respond to these reviews because we're just going to lend credence to someone, you know, if it's a false thing. Um, You know, I would say that you don't respond to the review... Necessarily for that particular person, although I I think you should. I think but that's not too. why, as a business owner, you respond. You respond for the next hundred thousand people that are going to see that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. So it's um yeah yeah, and, and you know somebody who's not born yet can look you up in fifteen years and find a negative review. That's pretty sad. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's you know it's. Damned hard, you know. The, the, I guess the other approach is not only answering it but trying to remove it, um, and that is
2: damn near impossible. You know, it's really, Yeah, even if it's false, as yeah. you know, as even if those, the, even if they're just spurless uh, comments. I mean, you know, I've found with bad reviews of any kind, there's usually three reasons they happen. You know, one is, is there was, uh, you know, that there was, uh, that you did something wrong. You screwed that up. That happens yeah. from time to time. A business owner yeah, sure. makes a mistake. They screw up. Yep. And so, you know, then, then the guy writes his review. And uh, usually you can, uh, the reasonable person, you, you know, you solve it. The guy will change his review or, or at least you're responding that you've changed it. The next person comes along and says, well, that's reasonable. You know, I've all, everyone's screwed up. I, I can understand that. Look at the guy responded. That's exactly what I want in the business. So it's kind of an opportunity. The second thing that that happens, and this is probably most common, is there's a misunderstanding. Business owner really didn't screw up. Consumer had some misunderstanding, you know, and and so that also can be fixed. And then the third kind, and I think the kind you referred to earlier, is where you've got a troll. Where you've got somebody that just can't be happy. And, And, you know, people that know this person will know that they're just never happy. But in those particular cases, a lot of people used to say, don't feed the trolls. Yeah. I think you still need to respond. And you need to, you know, you need to respond online and try to take it offline. So you just, you offer you to say, hey, you know, we're really sorry this happened. Give me a call at this number. And uh, because the problem with, with trolls is, is there? It's like it's like wrestling a pig. The pig's gonna get, you're both gonna get dirty, but the pig is gonna like it.
1: Wrestling, that's, that's, the real, wrestling that's
2: the real problem.
1: Wrestling a pig. That must be a Canadian thing. <laughs> I
2: thought it was an Australian
1: thing, actually. But. <laughs> I've been living in California 27 years, so I'm 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 past the Australian thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I think
2: wrestling a pig just doesn't sound like a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> I think there's I think there's a fourth kind. Um, one of the um, I think something that's really common now is your competitors going out and. Uh, discrediting you everywhere they can online. Yeah, now that's that's the evil kind, right? That's now, really and that, that, evil, and it mean, that happens
2: a lot. That's truly, that's truly despicable, and uh, you know it is starting to happen more often. And yeah. you, you know, but here's what's happening: people are actually smarter than you think they are. Oh really? <laughs> and um, and as especially, the, you know, I mean, generally, but especially the newer consumer. And so, a lot of sites, though, are starting to like you know, Yelp does a pretty good job, for instance, yep. of screening out those kind of reviews to some extent, but they still get through. Um, but what what what's happened is is that you know, if you try to make a review on Google Plus today uh, or Facebook. Yeah. You've got your social network behind you to say who you are. Yes. So when you've got a comment coming from and you look to see who made the comment, and he's got zero friends, and he's brand new, and he's got no, no credence in the community, hopefully those are the kind of things that can mitigate those kind of things from happening. Because, you know, as a consumer, I find reviews useful. You know, yeah, I, I do too. I, if I wanted to get a, especially for things like plumbers, right? And so, you know, <laughs> you, you only need a few reviews in those cases. So you say, I only need a plumber once every, well, hopefully I never need one. But if I, if I do need one, um, I'm going to look and if, if the guy's got no reviews, I'm probably not going to take a chance on him either. If the guy's yeah. got bad yeah. reviews, um, probably not. But if he's got reviews that I can look through and say, you know, and read a couple and say, you know what, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. I think that, you know, uh, you know sure he had a problem here or he's got great reviews here that hopefully, um, you know, I'd put enough time, at least in those cases, into it to find out, to find out that, uh, you know, that looks like that could be a competitive review, just, or or sour apples or or whatnot. On the other side, for a restaurant or something, the review quantity is so high, that the, that the, unless the, uh, unless the, uh, the uh, competitor wants to spend an inordinate amount of time creating new profiles and trying to slag this uh, competitor. They they probably won't be able to. I mean, they'll they'll be able to affect it to some degree, but you know, so so there's a little bit of uh, of, of there. But unfortunately, you're you're right. In some cases, especially for high-value services, a couple of bad reviews can be disastrous. And yeah. uh, if they're from a competitor, um, you know, you've got not that many options to get it down. The the best thing you could probably do is respond and say, I believe this is a, from a competitor, give me a call at this number if you're not, I'd love to make it right. And that and, and that's about all you could do as a business, I would say.
1: Yeah, and people um people are loyal to um companies that fess up and, and repair whatever's the problem. They they become more loyal and they become advocates and you know, it it, it works for
2: you. Um Go you know, ahead. Totally. I, I mean, I always tell people there's no substitute to your to fixing your reputation than to running a good business. There just absolutely isn't. You will get your own customers coming to your defense in those in those situations on those forums, and you know I, I've seen it happen oh, many times where you know you run a good business, you've got loyal uh, followers out there. Someone writes a bad review, uh, your fans will jump to your to your defense.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Um, of course. You know, if you're a restaurateur, for example, you can um, you can retaliate by putting up your own reviews.
2: <laughs> I, mean, the whole, the whole I wouldn't recommend doing that. I, you know, but but yes, if, you know there there are, there are. Um, it's unfortunate now that be, be, you know if reviews weren't important, people would ignore them. But the fact is that they are important and they are valuable. And so all the things that you speak of, the gaming of the system, is, is out there. And. Um, yeah. That, you know the biggest defense, I guess. Again, I believe in the future is this idea of your social network. Right. I mean, you're connected to people that you that that know you and say, yes, this is who he says he is. Yes. And so, therefore, that big, that you know, when you have more credence to that, and I can see, in you know, particularly reviews now, I can see two or three connections out. I can see that a friend of a friend reviewed that business. That really adds some value to yeah, to, you uh, trust. Yeah. to the cr- credibility.
1: So. What are the important metrics um, to consider when when you're evaluating your online presence? What are those metrics that you should look at?
2: So. As I said, first off, it's, it's, it's just, can you be found? So a right. lot of businesses, so the, and this is really, really important, and I can't stress this enough, and I, I call this local um, search engine optimization or, or local, local presence management, and those are yep. words that small business goes, what the heck are you talking about? But he, let me give an example and, tell, and explain why it's important. So there's all these directories out there. Yep. But it used to be you know the phone book, but it's not that anymore. Now it's Google, Yahoo, Bing, yep. and then it's so those are the search engines directories, and then you've got all the directory, the review sites. So you got, depending on your category, you've got Yelp, yep. you've got City Search, you've got TripAdvisor, you've got Expedia, whatever category you might be thinking There's about. If you're an auto dealer, yeah. you got Edmunds, yep. and then and then you've got all the the uh, the yellow page sites, and then you've got the social sites. So one thing about that is your data has to be the same and correct in those sites, and here's why: when you go to use Google as a consumer, and I type in auto dealer in San Francisco, right. or be even more specific, BMW dealer in San Francisco. There are three or four, I think, in San Francisco. It, will, it was going to put one of those at the top of the search engine results. Right. How does it choose which one comes to the top? Well, there's a whole bunch of ways that Google does it, but one of the biggest factors is it says, if I'm gonna send this consumer to this place, um, this address or this phone number, it's gotta be right because if it's not right, the consumer is going to quit using Google. So it looks out at, at all the data for all the different BMW dealerships, and it says, where is the phone number the same everywhere? Where is the address the same everywhere? That's who I'm going to put out first to, to, to be able to get to. So small businesses, they all want to be, sh- you know, if you're a car dealership, you want to show up when someone says uh, auto dealer in San Francisco. And if you're a, if you're a shoe repair place, you want to show up. So uh, you know, so you need the consistent data in those places, and it's, and to be truthful it 's a mess out there and it 's a mess yeah, for lots of different reasons, but the data story is a mess, but you can take control of that so one of our the products that we sell through our partners is the ability to take the data, put it on the main data providers out there, and send that to all of including you know hours of operation, and you know do you take credit cards and all those different Black, things yep. you send all that data, so it 's the same on those sites, and you will show up first. Um, and so people will find you yeah and of course you have to make your website correct and all these other things but once sure. you get found yeah. then you know whats your reputation you. like in those yeah. places
1: so um, speaking about that people are always complaining to me that um, google keeps changing its um, algorithms that <laughs> determine you, the, mm-hmm. you know, the search engine so how do you address that or don't you need to if you Information's consistent. consistent. Sure.
2: No, no, it's, yeah, so you you got it. So you, you know why Google changes it? They, they <laughs> no change idea. it to make it better yeah. and to stop people from gaming the system. Right. And so really, the, 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 and this is a hard thing for some businesses to hear. Some businesses have a big mess out there. They just say, well, just, I just want to be top on Google. But the truth is, it, it's, it's, you have to do the work to get there. And, the, and the, what the work is, is to, is to get your data correct in all those places. That's number one. Then it's to have a good web presence, um, you know, where you put your... Facebook, where you put your, you know, your phone number on the home you put your Facebook on the homepage, you've got, you don't have some bunch of flash on there so that, so that the 60% of people that are looking for a small local business that are on a phone can't see it. You know, you have to look at after all these factors. So you, you know, you really need to make sure that you're easy and accessible, but it's all common sense stuff. There's no magic solution and you shouldn't, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of folks online that are saying, hey, you know, we can put you on the top of Google, all you have to do is pay us. Those, those things... That's why Google changes their algorithm. Right. These things. It's all about just doing the basic work to put the data that consumers want and make it right. And that's just. It's as simple as that. So if if you're a,
1: a any sort of, any sort of business out there, but let's say you're a um, a, a little guy, you've got fifty employees or what, whatever you've got. Um, here you've got a medium that is instant and whatever, and it takes you f- forever to manage your online presence. I mean, you could spend your whole life, you could spend 168 hours a week managing your
2: online presence, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you could. I mean, if you did it, and in fact, I think we've done some studies where, you know, to show the value of our product, because this is in fact what our product does, you, you, is part of what it does, is you take that data and you enter it in one place and we propagate it on your behalf and do all that work for you. So that's and you know so that is the value of the product. It just saves a bunch of time and, and it's not expensive. It's uh, you know our partners sell that anywhere. You know it's like a hundred bucks a year in some cases. Oh wow. Well, and and, okay. and it saves you thousands of hours of time.
1: Very interesting. Okay, because that was going to be my next question. What does it cost? Because, um, but it, it, it. Am I right in saying that really a a a person that's um, running a business and you know battling to make payroll every week and, you know, like 90% of businesses, mm-hmm. um, you're much better off getting uh, a service like
2: yours than you are trying to do it yourself. Right, and and um, I don't know if we told you, Bob, but uh, we don't sell direct. We we partner with the local media companies. So okay. it would be your local newspaper, your local yellow page, or your local agency that you already you know, you know already go to to advertise in, the, in any way. Right. So so our product comes as a part of, of somebody that you already know. So uh, we get those folks to sort of look after you. Now, as a small business, I just wanted to address the point you had there. Like a lot of people say that small businesses, and we know the time stars and we know they do lots of stuff. But what we're finding is that about half of them are very technically savvy. They might, you, you, they might, they'll know as much as, you know, as, as you or I about how they run their business and they, they get involved in that. And then the other half are, are, are scared shitless. Oh, maybe right. I should have said that. <laughs> but they're, they're scared. I and so, yeah. And so, uh, what we, um, what we found though is even the folks that are savvy they, they, you know they, they really want to run a business they want to find somebody to be their you know their marketing department now if're if you 're yeah. a small shop with two people, you know you need that, and even if you 're a big shop with fifty people, maybe you 're a car dealer you can you can hire somebody to do it but and you might have that, and you can use the tools that way, so our tools are always. DIY, do-it-yourself, so you can use the do-it-yourself tool and still save thousands of hours if you're technically savvy, or if you say, look, I just want someone to do this for me, that's where our partner comes in, and they provide, they can do the work, you know, of course, for a fee, they can do that back-end work on behalf of a small business, but usually it's somebody who the business is already comfortable with, they trust, they're working with, and, and they can have them take care of them. So, where do where do
1: we how do, how does one go about? Somebody's out there saying, "Is that like me right now?" Saying, "Geez, that sounds like a really good idea." Um, how do I how do I get the service? How do I get um,
2: your service? You know, that's the hard part about I mean, being in my place. We call it being a white label or a white label platform. Is I would have to find, or to you know, what I'd tell you depending where you were, who is who is in your area. So we, you know, we partner through McClatchy. So any McClatchy newspaper, right. a Hearst newspaper, a Gannett newspaper, um, and then there would be any multitude of agencies where you might be able to go to get that product.
1: I tell you, what's interesting
2: radio, about that? Some radio, TV. They, what,
1: what's interesting about what you've just said is that newspapers, radio, and TV—I thought all of those uh, mediums were somewhere between feeling very ill and
2: extinct. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, okay, <laughs> let's, let's go down the this, uh, yellow pages are close to extinct and very ill, (laughs) whereas, um, you know, the newspapers are hurting. Radio and TV are doing quite well, but in general, all of these folks, um, you know, realize that, that where consumers are is changing. Yeah, and sure. That's, and that's really what it's all about. And and so when I say an agency, most of these guys. So uh, I would tell you that of a yellow page company now they've rebranded their names and changed them a bit, but yeah. almost fifty percent of their revenue now comes from digital products. Sure, So they not. Right. They don't like to think of themselves. And I, I shouldn't even use the term yellow pages. And and newspapers um, are the trending that way too. They want yeah. you know they they as 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 the smaller like if you're a bike repair shop, you really can't afford to a quarter page ad in a newspaper anymore no and really well, you never could, really you <laughs> never could <laughs> really so you have to look to to other people you know you have to look sure. to to search and you have to look to other other digital forms of advertising facebook and such
1: so how, do, how can small small businesses medium businesses get um, noticed on social media how do, how do you do that
2: how do where do you start well, that's, that, is, that is the problem, right? So that, like I said, some of them, you know, you can research, you can put a bunch of time in, and you can, you know, you can do that, or you can go to your, the people you've traditionally advertised with, and likely if you're a small business, they're calling on you all the time. I think yeah. a huge, it was unbelievable to me how many calls these businesses are getting. Yeah. This is why we've chosen to partner with local companies you can trust. Because if someone calls you up over on the phone and says, I can fix it, I can make you on the first page, I can do all these wonderful promises for you, you don't know who they are. And um, and many times, you know, there's good companies and bad companies, and many times it's disappointing. So what we've chosen to do is to say we have a, what we believe is a great solution. So we've said we're going to go out to the trusted people out there. We're going to find people that want to Really truly help small medium businesses we're gonna put our products set in their hands and uh, and and hopefully uh, uh, you know make that work so I would say what I would say to a business today is to go to the people you already buy advertising from and say, what do you have in digital and what do you think of it and what would yeah. you suggest and so um, you know that most of the time will be a good experience
1: at some point in time you guys sat around a table a board a boardroom table and you said. Okay, our product's fully developed. Now we can either go out ourselves as an app or whatever, or we can go and white-label it to a whole bunch of people and see what the hell happens and put our trust in their hands. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. did you choose to white-label rather than go out and um, direct sell?
2: Sure, sure. So there's a so there's a good story about that. Before, before we started Vendasta, we started Vendasta in 2008... Um, we were i was with with five of the founders at a different company right and we built caterpillar's global trading system but one of the big things we did was we built the system for realtors and we had about 165,000 realtors using this product worldwide right and um, working with realtors individually and 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 going to market to them that way as if they were you know cuz each one is truly a small business sure. was was really like herding cats yeah. and um and even though we were in a vertical and word of mouth can spread easier inside the vertical and we did a you know, we did a fairly successful job there. But when we started to say, hey, we want to build this reputation product and believe you know, the backstory is we weren't building that, it was something else. We pivoted and we found this huge demand. Sure. And we looked out there and we saw there were many, many reputation products for big brands. So right. there's, you know, uh, Radiant sure. Six and Sysbox sure. and Technology yeah. and S M two and these things are for big brand but there was nothing for the small business right and then it didn't work and it was easy accessible and affordable but we we knew that getting to the small businesses was was very very difficult and we because we're a technology company we said we need somebody that has you know that has on the street that already has an existing relationship with the SMB yep. that, that wants to move from the products they're selling so whether it's print or yellow pages to, yeah. to digital. And and that and, and that can you know, that has a support department so that they can you know, that we can train them and they can support the product. And so for us it was kind of a natural move to say if we want to help all the small businesses, we have to do it with trusted partners.
1: Right. Good thinking. So who do you admire out there in the in the business world today? Who's your who's your sort of hero?
2: Oh man! You know, I every time I read a new book, I get a new hero. But I just read uh, Peter Thiel's book, Zero to yep. One, yeah, and uh, it's pretty darn good. So uh, if anyone's listening to that, I would definitely have a, have a have a peek at that book. He's a bit of a contrarian, but um, you know, um, in terms of business, I, I, and I'm assuming you meant business as a yes. hero. Yes, um, sorry, that yeah. would be uh, that would be where I would, uh, you know, I, I'm 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 pretty impressed with his thinking and what he's done
1: so you you're um you look at more of a pragmatist than well this is probably unfair but somebody like an Elon Musk who yeah he's my hero every morning i wake up and i think god what's this guy going to come up with today he sort of fits into the um steve jobs and Canadian, mold to me too, right
2: eh Eli is he's, he's he's a Canadian but uh, you know that Peter and uh, and uh, Teal and uh, Elon work together they're part of the PayPal mafia right That's so right they, uh, that's right of course so, of course they were Yeah, would, yeah. The, he had a different payment system and uh, Elon started one called I think it was X something and uh, and and uh, Peter had uh, had PayPal and they they joined Yeah yeah, it's cool. Oh. I mean, you know, the things that he does are fantastic, right? Virgin Atlantic, you know, he, you got to like Richard Branson. Sure. <laughs> he just got
1: to. Yeah, he's, he, he's certainly... Um, but, you know, the interesting thing about Branson, I mean, if you look at the Virgin brand, there's been, I think, 268 companies or something that have had the Virgin brand, and there's only been half a dozen that have been successful. All the rest have gone, by the way. So it was, it was oh, interesting. Oh, you know, everyone
2: talks about failure and some people wear it as a badge of success. And there's been a lot of that lately. Oh, I've failed. And I failed. And I think that I, I think that's okay. But I think know, it's you true. You know, the people that talk about failures, they only ever talk about the ones that actually got successful. So, <laughs> so it's okay to fail as long as you learn from it and rack up another success behind it. So that's why what's so cool about Branson is, you know, he knows he he, he's got the successes to, to be okay with the failures.
1: Yeah, that's right. And you you certainly learn a hell. You know, it's an old cliche, but you certainly learn a hell of a lot more from your failures than you do from your successes.
2: Oh, for sure. That's, uh, yeah, my degree is so, in physics, so I always think about everything in that way. You know, I think, uh, I think about uh, a hypothesis and how do we prove it wrong, and then as we prove it wrong, we don't. It's not a failure, it's just a step towards success. Failure yeah. only happens when you give up or lose. That's right. Only, you know.
1: <laughs> well, you know, if you, if you actually learn from every failure, I should be a bloody genius. I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Brendan, thanks very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I really appreciate it. Now, if you'd like to find out more about Vendasta, go to V-E-N-D-A-S-T-A dot com. Now, they white label, so if somebody goes on to Vendasta, can they find out um, where to find somebody who um, sells your product
2: absolutely we've got a list of partners on there they'll have a look and i'm sure they'll be able to find somebody that we can help them great thanks
1: very much brendan enjoy the snow and i'll be back with more of the bob pritchard radio show right after this short break
0: You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is the
1: Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business show. And coming to you tonight from Los Angeles, Beautiful day today. It was about 95 degrees. It was just wonderful. Half the country is freezing in six feet of snow. Uh, Just spent the last couple of days in Sao Paulo, in Brazil, which was lovely. Got back today after 17 and a half hours on a plane, which I can live without. But um, we got a lot done, so that was good. Now, this is the segment of the show where we bring you emails from our listeners around the world. And you know, the thing I love about business is it's truly global. You know if I, if I give a presentation in Sydney, Australia or in um, London or anywhere in the world, in Moscow, when it comes to question time, I get exactly the same questions, no matter where we are in the world, because every business goes through the same set of issues, and every entrepreneur faces the same problems, the challenges not problems, challenges. And, uh, so, the advice that you get in this segment of the show, and if you, if you go onto, um, my website, which is bobpritchard.com, then we've got all of the shows in the archive. So go onto bobpritchard.com, go up, um, into the navigation bar, click on radio show, and, uh, there's about 170 or 180 shows there, a couple of hundred interviews, and, um, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions from listeners, and I bet you that most of them apply to your business as much as they do to the person who who sent them to me. So that's why I think this uh, segment's so important. And my first email today comes from Donnie Ling from Kowloon in Hong Kong. I love Hong Kong. Was there recently. Love it. Um, Dear Bob, thanks for an excellent show. It is on at a really good time for me it comes on at 9am on wednesday morning i don't start work until 10 so i have a chance to listen before work good i'm glad that is good timing i'd like to i'd like to listen to the show early in the morning rather than in the evening because after a full day's work you probably get home and you listen to this and you think oh i just want to forget about work for a bit but in the morning you're firing and ready to go um Donnie says, there's been a lot of talk lately about the sharing economy. What is the sharing economy? Well, um, Donnie, it's something we're going to be hearing a lot more about, um, and it's going to become a staple part of our lifestyle. You know, the sharing economy is where individuals sell, swap, or rent goods um, and services through the internet, and it's now a wildly... Proliferating industry, led by giants like Uber, which is ride sharing, um, which is now valued at more than twenty billion dollars, Airbnb, which has now placed more than seventeen million people in in property since its launch five years ago. Um, for example, you know I um, we use Airbnb. We've got a lovely place on the harbour in Sydney, and um, we put it out through Uber. Airbnb. I'm um, through, God, I'm not thinking, through Airbnb. And um, for example, in the next, um, say, eight weeks, we've got it leased out, about seven of them. And um, it's, it's fantastic. So we've got a property. People need somewhere to stay, so they use it. For example, in America... There are about 90 million electric drills. 90 million of the bloody things. People go and buy an electric bill, drill, spend 30 bucks, and you use it for five minutes. I mean, hey. So um, instead of going out and spending 30 bucks on a drill, you rent one or you get one from a friend who's, who's got one. Unfortunately, we are just about out of time, so um, Donnie will send you a copy of Marketing Magic. That's a book I wrote a few years ago with Brian Tracy and uh, Jay Conrad Levinson and Robert Bly and a bunch of others. I'm sure that you'll really enjoy it, and we'll get that off to you tomorrow. Um, So don't forget, if you have a particular guest you'd like me to interview or a particular topic you'd like me to address, please email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I've enjoyed it. Tonight, a lot. We are pleased to have been bringing you this show since 2011. It's a hell of a long time, but it's a heap of fun doing it each and every week. And I'll be with you at the same time next week. And I'll be in Boca in Florida. Um, And no matter where you are in the world, we'll address those critical issues that affect small business everywhere. Remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come. Every week at the same time. Bob Pritchard, see you next week.